Coming up next, the booking continues to, to, oh, brother, you know what we're doing. Everybody, welcome to the booking. My name is Nathan Amberson. I am your humble obedient host. We've got Jacob Benzel. I don't even think I said our names last time. I don't think I ever introduced you guys. Wow. Well, you think there's anybody who kept listening just because they didn't realize what they were listening to? Who are these guys? Tell me. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I quit. We, we we definitely mentioned Brandon by name, and I think at the very end of the episode, Brandon mentioned Jake by name. But people may have been wondering for a long time who Jake was and what he did. Well, or who you were. Nah, I think I, I said me, because I usually say it at the very, very beginning. <sighs> if anybody was wondering, though, he's Jacob Menzel. He's the pastor who's a master of reading. And Jake, why don't you introduce our svelte, thin, reedy... I, I feel like he's, he's overtaken me in the, in the skinny man department, just by yep. looking at him on the call here. His name is Brandon Chastine. He is the scholar who's a baller of reading actually he's the scholar who's a baller of books that's but right one day one of you will be as skinny as me one day one day all you have to do is go to mcdonald's three times a day yeah okay well we're back bookings back back, back again. again yeah we definitely didn't do that last time you guys hey. have created a monster because nobody wants to see something what's well, something they don't <laughs> want to see anymore Okay. <laughs> Are you having a stroke? <laughs> you guys what don't know this? You don't know this? Is this a line from Marshall Mathers or something? Yeah. He created a monster because nobody wants to see Marshall no more. They want shady, I'm chopped uh, liver. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. You just, yeah. you, you, didn't, you didn't push <laughs> you it. T- you took it and ran with it. And yeah. You yeah did, but, you didn't. but you didn't sell it. You I did not sell it. sell it. Yeah. I have a difficult time selling Knowledge well, you 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 thought you ex- to be fair, you you expected us to buy without having to sell, and if if that had worked, it would have been the best possible version of the thing. If you could just kind of throw it out and then we take it, that's that's a nice way to do a reference drop. But that's not what happened. So now there's egg on your face. Yeah, you fool, you fool, yo fool, yo fool. What's up? I ain't no cool. This is a jam about who I am. I'm quoting Everybody. a rap artist that came to my dorky Christian high school. Are you and, serious? And sang that rap <laughs> during chapel. Yo, fool. Yo, cool. I ain't no fool. This is a jam about who I am. That's some good stuff. Yeah. It was great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think those are the same people that had a dog that was supposed to bark along with their crappy Christian song, and the dog wouldn't do it. The dog just sat there and didn't bark, her, and it was quite amusing. The dog was supposed to bark? What? Yeah, you know how sometimes people will have... You know how sometimes people will have trained dogs that bark along with songs that they sing? No. Yes. Well, it's a thing. And these people people had a poorly trained dog that (laughs) did not bark along with the song that they sang. So it'd be like, if you're happy and you know it, bark along. And then the dog would just sit there. Yeah. 
Jake does a much better job. Jake is a, a better trained a better dog. Yep. song dog than uh, this looks like a job for me. So everybody, just follow me. Because we need a little Kundra first C. First C. Because it feels what so, are you doing, so Jake? empty. Why are you me? saying these words? I'm just, you know, it looked like a job for me. And you did it. You're the real Mensel, the real Jake Mensel. We're good at bringing the controversy. I, I think if you're going to do it, you got to sell it. And you got to sell the obvious ones. That's my opinion. Yeah. It I doesn't take with, much to sell it. I went with you're the Jake Mensel, the real Jake Mensel. Yeah, you so switched songs. More obvious than that. I know. <clears throat> I know. Well, folks, we're from the 90s. And if you are too, then maybe <laughs> back, you're back mildly to the amused. 90s. <laughs> Get back while you still can. Yeah. That's but I'll tell you what's from reference. the 60s is. What's from, what's from the 60s? You flip that night Kevin around, Costner. You, you got a six. <laughs> it's not the book we're discussing. It's from the 70s. Oh, really? No wonder all the rabbits are wearing skirts and... Suits. Uh, <laughs> going, going, to Wall, going to Wall Street. And... I guess I, uh, you didn't deserve that based on where the conversation was. <laughs> That's the 80s. Oh, is that the 80s? Nobody's wearing suits and going to Walmart in the set or the Wall Street. Wall Street. I, I know he's Wall Street is the eighties. I mean, that's that the, the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, but eighties is Reagan and corporate America. Okay, okay, when when fine. you think evil consumerist 70s, society, you think eighties. What? Get, what with the seventies? You think of that 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 seventies show? Is yeah, well, I was going for like. I just said skirts, which is not a reference at all. It's the yeah. 70s. Everybody's wearing skirts. <laughs> yeah, See that no man clue. walking down the street? He's wearing a skirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must uh, be the 70s. <laughs> yeah. You know how ladies used to wear skirts in the 70s? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was imagining like beaded curtains, and but that's kind of 60s. I don't know. What did people do in the 70s? Exactly. It's a hybrid of the 60s and 80s. They did disco, man. That's right. There John you Travolta. It's the Bee Gees. He was the Godfather. Alive. Yeah, the, the Godfather. Godfather. The Godfather. But that movie's that movie's set in the forties or something like that. So, eh. but it came out in the seventies. It did yeah. come out in the yeah. Well, a lot of movies came out in the seventies. <laughs> you know who's a little bit like a Godfather is that General Woundwort. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Yep. What else came Thank out you. in the seventies? <laughs> Jaws. Jaws. Star Wars. Me and my wife Superman. just watched Jaws for the heck of it. I, she'd never seen it. I turned it on at midnight, cut to like four in the morning, and we 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 actually stayed up like idiots and finished Jaws. It's a good movie. It holds up. That's a good movie. Once they get on That's that ship, movie. you really don't want to turn it off. I mean, you could you could conceivably turn it off during the first half, but yeah. Once the three men get on the boat, then it is a it is well, a white knuckle thrill ride. It, it's Let me a movie tell you that this, makes the yeah. story of the USS Indianapolis. Oh man, that scene is so yeah. brilliant. It's a movie that makes a lot out of not. It doesn't show the monster more than needs to be shown. Mm-hmm. Famously, so. they couldn't because the monster was breaking down all the time and didn't work. So <laughs> there you go. Necessity well, breeds genius. Necessity breeds genius. Yeah, it is amazing how well that movie creates Jaws in your mind. And I think you probably see him for less than three minutes of, of movie. I mean, he eats the one guy and it's a big deal, but. Did you see the recreation of the poster in real life? It was really cool. So, that sounds really familiar. They just it, get... it was just like in like the, the last week or something like that. Some cage diver got the perfect vertical shark, uh, great white shark huh. with its nose going up photo. Nice. It's really cool. 
it's like the article I read said it's sort of like the one of the unicorns of of underwater photography. Everybody wants wants to be the one to get that shot, and he ever since the seventies, and he finally. Got I it. just got it. It, it. it is amazing how Isn't well it, cool? it corresponds to the iconic poster. Yeah, that's awesome. Huh? I think I'm looking at the right thing. I mean, it it looks just like a real shark. Do I mean hitting the 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 famous pose? Yeah. Well, that is amazing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <coughs> it's interesting that nobody's gotten it. Like it's it's just that hard to. I guess I think great whites are just that hard in not general. Known for their their cooperative. <laughs> they don't want to pose docile <laughs> nature. <laughs> well, yeah, and going up to the surface like that or pointing up to the surface is probably pretty uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's Something cool. I always forget about Jaws is there's a lot of gore and stuff in that movie. And some other things, if you're watching the HD uh, version, I think the movie's actually gotten naughtier now because our screens are so... Oh, you can see things you shouldn't have seen in the original? It's not. With that horrible, opening, with that opening it's a, scene, it's it's more than I remembered, at least from watching it. Probably as on, as a kid on a VHS or on TV. Yeah, it's or all something. blurry then. Yeah. Anyway, those are some thoughts on Jaws. We'll just have to do like a three-hour Jaws podcast over on Sanity at the Movies. But yeah. today is not that day. Today we celebrate our Independence Day. Today we celebrate Watership Down. Oh, if I can make my nose stop itching. Okay, guys, I promised the listeners that this would be our podcast to nerd out about Watership Down. So commence the nerding out. Who was your favorite rabbit and why? I I bet we all have similar answers. I mean, to me, this is a easy one. This is for me. It is. Yeah. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, no, no. Go ahead. It's, I'm trying to think of some comedy answer, but I can't think of what their names are. It's Bingo, Bingo Berry. It's, it's Hazenthlay. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, who is your favorite rabbit? Cowslip. Cowslip. Yeah. Is Cowslip even the name of a rabbit or is it just the name of the Warren? I think it's no, the name it's, of the rabbit, right? It's that one that they try to help escape, right? I thought it was or the name of the like hippie. Warren. No, I thought Cowslip he, he, Warren. he's like, no, he's the guy who. He's like Slay's in charge yeah, of the Lotus Eaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're right. Sorry, it, it has been a little while since I've read this book, probably all since all of us have read this book. Yes. Yeah, I've read Howl and uh, the other one, Duncan yep. Sense. I've read Rebecca. Zero stars. <laughs> uh, it's Bigwig. Who doesn't Big, love Bigwig? Bigwig's yeah, awesome. It's Bigwig. That was easy. Yeah. We don't even have to talk about why. We just all agree. No, I mean, Bigwig is one of those characters. Like, every book that I truly love has to have He's a character. He's the same way as Gamgee type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I sort of think this book, I was thinking about how, it, you know, the obvious comparison point is Lord of the Rings. As I read it, I was just like, you know, this is like The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings if it was populated by nothing but Samwise Gamgee. Really, every character is kind of yeah. Samwise Gamgee. They're all that kind of practical, besides General Woundwort, all all of our main heroes are just kind of practical-minded, get-her-done kind of... In this book or yeah. in general? It, like so all the heroes... 
Yeah, I thought no. you, I missed what you said there at the beginning. Sorry. All the heroes in all of literature or cinema or any other medium that we love are all practical get or done types. I mean, I guess that's probably more. Or less I think that true. might be. There's, true. there's yeah. probably some truth to that. Yeah, but I don't know who's Fiverr. more who's more lovable than Big Wig. I mean, yeah, Fiverr's a weirdo. Yeah, I mean you you don't not like Fiverr, but he just shows up to be weird. And I think you like Fiverr things. because Hazel likes Fiverr. I mean. And trusts him. Everybody trusts him, and he ends up saving the day. And yeah. he doesn't understand his gift any more than anybody else does. But were you guys happy that five? This is kind of a tangent, but were you happy that Fiverr's gift was presented without contradiction? That it was just the name of the game was listen to Fiverr or die every single time. It's, that's kind of a non-intuitive storytelling choice in some ways. What, what do you mean without contradiction? Like well. I mean, without real life, con- without real life contradiction, Fiverr is never actually wrong. Hazel may contradict him and decide to go against him. Okay. Narratively speaking, anytime Fiverr opens his mouth, we know he has the right point of view. If he feels bad about something, we know it's going to feel go badly, et cetera, et cetera. It's just yeah. you can you can always predict everything based on Fiverr's feeling towards it. Which I mean, I think part of the reason it makes sense is that by the time that you're done. What you realize you've read is actually the myth, the true story of the of the myth that gets handed down, right, for generations. Yeah, the thing of the stuff of legends. Well, that makes me think of a different tangent, which is I love the last five pages of this book. I love the fact that he's invested enough in the Campbellian mono myth that he's like, well, we have to follow Hazel into death and. We have to, we have to kind of have a melancholy ending in some ways. Like we can't. It, it is the one thing that she really messes up in Harry Potter. All was well is not just a stupid chapter, but it's a stupid conceit. There needed to be some melancholy. And I've recently revisited some of the Harry Potter movies and things like that. My wife was watching through through them, and I I know she hits the melancholy with some characters dying and stuff like that. But ultimately, Harry's journey in and of itself needed to have a note of bittersweetness in order to, in order to bring the whole thing home. And Watership Down is an interesting case study because there's nothing bittersweet about the story in and of itself. But he tacks on a little bittersweetness. Like, he got old and died. And it really helps the story yep. have that mythological weight. <laughs> yeah, the idea that Harry could go through absolutely everything he did and then just live a normal ordinary life happily ever after it was the dumbest decision she ever made and she made i having revisited it myself and us having done that before going to lord of the rings and chronicles of narnia (laughs) i i I don't know that we gave her enough credit for some of the decisions that she made no i really think if she the the one bad decision you could argue the one thing and it's a bummer that she didn't do it because then she'd have a perfect little series minus some stylistic things is she should have ended on a more bittersweet note. It would have yeah, just lent the whole That thing would have changed everything and give it way more weight. Yep. Yeah. Well, and Watership Down really shows you how easy that is actually, because like I said, again, there's nothing particularly bittersweet about the story, but he adds, he just adds a dash of it at the end. And it's not even that it's just people get old and their reigns of kings yeah. don't go on forever kind of it's, thing. It's like Tolkien with Frodo. There's, I mean, it's not, Frodo it, doesn't it, die, but Frodo does have to leave. 
Right. You know what you do. You just make it this simple. Instead of Harry dropping the stone in the forest and destroying the Elder Wand, you have him be the keeper of them. Mm-hmm. And dis- and we go to an old old man, Harry, whose job his whole life has just been to keep the Deathly Hallows safe from evil. Mm-hmm. And he's found a way to, to destroy them all. Right. And then he dies. But it's taken its toll on him. Like he's Yes, exactly. It's what and it's made him isolated. Right. From from the world. I mean, I wonder if she wa- if she wanted to be the sentimentalist that she ultimately is, she could even probably pull off he married Ginny and everything was okay, but he had a secret always, burden. There was always a burden. Yep. Like she did she needed to do give us at least that much, and it would have lended such mythological weight to the Harry Potter saga <clears throat> that ultimately isn't there. And it's too bad. Yeah. Also, Richard Harris is a really good Dumbledore, I think. Yeah. I've too always bad. been a, a Gambone apologist because I, I think he does some interesting things. But it's too bad we didn't just have straight up, like Richard you Harris. imagine him, Dumbledore. Yeah. So you're not a Gambone imp- apologist anymore? I'm still a apologist. I, I think... It w- I wish somebody would have told him to bring a little bit more warmth to it. He emphasizes some interesting things about Dumbledore, but he's ultimately just not a warm person, and that's too bad. Because that's what Dumbledore is, yeah. That's what he becomes. Yeah. All right, so we all agree. Big wig. Greatest rabbit. Yeah, I mean... It, Hazel's awesome. Yeah. It, insofar as Hazel, all that qualifies him for leadership is that he's willing to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And listen to the right people, and surround himself with good people, and draw hard lines where he needs to. Hazel's pretty great. Yeah, this is the kind of thing I think we avoid saying because we don't want to sound like the Christian podcast that people expect us to sound sound like sometimes. And but this book's a good little primer or primer, however you want to say that word on on leadership. Yeah, you've got you've got some good. Less, the way that Hazel gradually assumes it and then gradually gathers weight. And little insights like the the thing where they're all nuzzling him because he's come back from danger and yeah. he realizes there's that dark undercurrent of, if they knocked me down right now, yeah, would they be happy? Would they accept me? Would they kill me? There's that kind of, yeah. like, they're testing me actually here, yeah. even though they're all really happy to see me and it's a celebration. There's There's some nice stuff like that. Yeah. What were you saying something, Brandon, I think? No, we already mentioned Fiverr, but I don't think he ranks as one of the best characters. Captain Holly has a fun arc. Yeah. I like... But he's like, he is big wig light, but he's still a, an, an interesting character that he gets to come back and be wholeheartedly sold on Fiverr after seeing the destruction. He's kind of like a Thomas character in that sense. Right. He has to see to believe. Yeah. Yep. Well, I always like that kind of stuff in books, and I feel like it's the kind of thing I would forget to include if I was writing a book like this. The various characters that are all good and all basically united in the same goal, but they're arguing about the means and the strategy. That stuff is always, always interesting. And it's another thing, I I won't make this beat up Harry Potter uh, podcast, but it's another thing that I think is maybe a little bit simplistic about Rowling is that the characters only disagree when it matters. Like if it's a plot point, then they're going to disagree, but otherwise it's kind of the best friends club. 
And what I like a book about a book like this is, eh, you know, Captain Holly had a different point of view on things. He didn't think it was going to go well. And yeah. it just then lends a little bit of dimensionality to it. Until that last book, right? When Ron does literally leave them for quite a while. Yeah, but that, that, that's I think a serious is, plot point. That's a plot point. Like, it's not like oh, we're all going to go down the hallway and do the thing, and then we're going to have a bunch of strategizing. Uh, it's it's not really a weakness. She's just doing something different. I guess I'm just saying I enjoy I these. I get what you're saying. The kind of back and forth between Sam and Frodo, like, should we go this way or that way? Yeah. Just lends a certain authenticity, to, you know, just like the kinds of conversations you would have to have if you were going on these adventures. You want every chapter to be the council considering whether or not to send the ring to the fire. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I want every chapter to be people just endlessly arguing yeah about and giving has anyone considered using it right yeah what about the eagles no you idiot that wouldn't work for some reason because eagles are proud because sauron would be defending against something like that right yeah yeah he would that fiery eye of his would shoot him out of the sky Mm, that fiery eye of his would shoot him out of the sky well, I guess the other thing that I like about that lends credibility and weight to a story like this is I just like it when characters get things wrong. I mean, I, get, I guess that's another thing we always talked about with Harry Potter, like he wouldn't get things wrong. But just, just you know. Yeah, the two things that you really want to change in Harry Potter are that final chapter and Harry never gets. I mean, if you just had that one moment in book five. Yeah, you want the big moment in book five. That's all you need. The moment where Dumbledore says, Harry, I didn't tell you things because it was dangerous. I'm the greatest wizard alive, and I'm your your principal, and you're a little boy, and you got everybody that you love killed. This is on you. You should have just obeyed. Now you better learn from it. That happens, man. And I'm deducting points from... (laughs) Huffle <laughs> Griff or, or Gryffindor. <laughs> Gryffindor. <laughs> well, that would be something. You're not winning the House Cup this year because you killed Sirius Black. Because right. you killed your godfather. <laughs> you idiot. I'll be <laughs> announcing it tomorrow at lunch. And you, inter- in, and you endangered all of your friends. Right. And so Jigglypuff wins. Yeah, well, but, but so that's the kind of thing you kind of take for granted when you're reading Watership Down, but you have that sort of thing all the time. Chapters will end with you know, bigwigs like, well, I think we should do this, but all right, Hazel, you know, you just have that kind of interplay through the book the whole time. And sometimes Hazel is right. And sometimes he's wrong. And sometimes bigwigs brave. Sometimes bigwigs just being a blustery, a blustery jerk. Sometimes bigwig being a blustery jerk ends up attracting a fox, which ends up killing some bad guys, which ends up being awesome. There's just a nice mixture of luck and success and failure and strategy and strategy that pays off and strategy that doesn't pay off. And it just lends a lot of low key. I think that might be as much as anything. What I mean when I say this book reminds me of just a bunch of Sam wise Gamgees because Sam is always making choices like that. Yeah. And some of the best sections of Lord of the Rings. Like that's why it also reminds you of a Hobbit because Bilbo's doing that too. Right, right. Yeah. You know, Bilbo's first kill is kind of an accident, and it's a bunch of stuff like that. Right, and then he gets yeah. kind of awesome, but then he's never really awesome. And yeah, it's just it's nice and low key and relatable, and it has that dry British 
quality. Yeah. This this book is a very dry British book. And even and even in that sense, so you were talking about how Fiverr is always right. He fits into that too because it's basically instincts with some visions, and the and they can never be certain really what to do. Just that they need to trust him, mm-hmm. right? And so that even allows for the uncertainty because you don't quite know what to do based on the vision, but you do know that you need to do something and you do have to make some sort of choice. Right. Because I was trying to think. Well, what and, kind the, of- and all those choices hit up against all these interpersonal dynamics. You know, so Hazel's like, okay, like I get it, but I have to be able to bring everybody along. And I don't know that I can push them that hard. Yeah. I. I kind of, as a leader, need to find the middle road here, at least for a time, in order to realize your goal here, Fiverr. And Fiverr's just like, nope, it's got to be now. Let's go. It's weird. Yeah. Because I've been trying to figure out who, like, what kind of character Fiverr is. We just got through a The Arthur series. Mm-hmm. And he's not really a Merlin. He's not a Gandalf. He's not He's not a uh, Dumbledore. He kind of has those sort of giftings of the wizard, just the seer and the ability to have this deep intuition about things. But... Yeah, he's, he's an interesting character in the way that he fits. You know who he reminds me of? I, I can't name a specific character, but there's a type of, oh, who would it be? It's like the kinds of people that Levin runs into in Anna Karenina. There's a Russian type of... Like a mystic? A mystic, spiritual kind of person. Yeah. He's sort of, very passive, but He's kind also, of a Father Zosima. Yeah. You can, you can see that kind of character actually pop up here and there in in Star Wars, like Clone Wars or Rebels or something like that. You'll have this like sort of like quasi force sensitive, uncultivated type who just like, you know, they're almost a MacGuffin of sorts or like they're, they're something. Yeah. It's yeah. like an idiot savant sort of thing. Like they yeah. don't, they don't, the, the gods have chosen to speak through them, but they don't really understand. They have no it. idea why. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. Like a Rasputin. Yeah. 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 Fiverr is the Rasputin of Watership Down. Yeah. Did you guys think that Richard Adams had a big chip on his shoulder about styles of government? Like this, is this actually a book about governance? Because you kind of have, I mean, if you want it like the easy reading, you've got Cowslip Warren is kind of the hippy dippy socialists. And then you have Wound Wart's totalitarianism. And then you have Hazel's benevolent democratic kind of process is that something that richard adams cares about or is making a point of or was it dumb of me to even have that read like is that is that reading too much into it does it just kind of play to those those archetypes a little bit or or what i mean i think in the sense that he's a good storyteller so he's going to draw from the reality he sees around him and use that and so what he's talking about is rabbits trying to find a new Warren, so obviously he's going to think about structures of government and the different types of leaders that are going to act as good foils against Hazel, then yeah. Mm. But I don't think, and to answer your question, no, I think it's a good way for him to tell the story, but I don't think that it's like a chip on his shoulder that he's like writing this book as a political thing. He's not an Ayn Rand. Right. Yeah. So, but he has a good knowledge about like, I think it really works. You have Cowslip, you have General Woundwort, and then you're inevitably going to compare those to Hazel and Bigwig. And like, what are the things about Woundwort that, because he makes Woundwort a mildly sympathetic character. Yeah, right? I really like that. And and so you're not supposed to... Sort of like a Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. yeah. He's very Colonel Kurtz. That's a he great is, pull. You're, he very is. Yeah, he very much is. Very is. He very is. He very is. He very is. is. The whore. The whore. The whore. 
That is his last words he says before the dog devours him. <laughs> or does he? Yeah, that's true. I love the fact that, I mean, of course he got eaten by the dog, but I love the fact that he leaves it ambiguous. What an awesome end for. And I love that. Woodward... Enough for it to become a legend among the children. Mm-hmm. The bogey. And they give, yeah. he gives Woundwort the dignity of going out fighting. Like Woundwort gets to go out on his own terms and, you know, be himself. <laughs> you know, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't sell out and reveal himself to be a sniveling coward at the end. Like for better Which, or worse, Woundwort really was what he, what he was and what he, he was. And that's why he achieved what he achieved. Right. Yeah. Which a lot of, a lot of storytellers would have went that route of just making him seem weak and cowardly yeah. once his rabbits were all gone. Yeah, no, I think that that's the obvious way to go. But yeah. man, I love this is the nerd out episode. I love the whole end game. I love the fight scene between the violent fight scene between the action's really great. Yeah, yeah, and you can awesome. really follow. I mean, it, this is some of the most fun action. Not that we've read a lot of books. I mean, what books have we read that had fun action? Dune. Dune, yeah, and Dune has great knife fights that are actually similar to this, where you can follow the the strategy. Yeah. Duncow actually uh, has some great yeah. action. Yeah, th- those might be the three. <laughs> Dune, Harry Potter. Yeah, but Harry Potter is not really action. It's just, and then they did Wave their race. Yeah, I wouldn't consider Harry Potter. I wouldn't put it in the running for a great action. The book, broom but. ride when they're trying to escape that one where you have all everybody takes on Harry's identity. Oh yeah, that was that's great at the that beginning of chapter six or whatever. Yeah, or book six. I yeah. think it is. I think yeah, we even talked about how cinematic that felt. The the part where Goy Mal That's the beginning uh, of book seven. Yeah. Who's the, well, the part where the guy falls into the fire, one of the one of the bullies? Yeah, yeah. Gildefoy. That's that's a good action scene. There's good action in Harry Potter. I, I do not deny it. But but in terms of fights, like Harry Lord Potter has Nah. Lord of the Rings doesn't come close. King Arthur. I mean King Arthur will be just be kind of the Iliad thing of and then he hit Killed him, and then he killed him, and then he cut him, and then he cut him. And then the spear pierced through the back of his neck and exited his mouth. It yeah. spilt his lifeblood upon the ground. King and Arthur is no more, more like the joy of a Friday the 13th movie or something like that. Like, if you want gore, then King Arthur's got that, but I don't know how exciting the action is. I'm calling it, it's Dune or Watership Down. Those are the two, with, with Duncow being a weird... Black horse or whatever. Dark horse. <laughs> Black horse. Duncow being a weird dark horse. Oh, uh, War and Peace. That's battle. That's not action. I'm defining action very narrowly, and then anything okay. you throw at me, I'm saying doesn't meet my specific arbitrary <laughs> definition. <laughs> How about the horse race? Because in Anna Karenina. That is a good action scene. Oh, of course, because it's Anna Kay versus War and Peace here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. War and Peace doesn't have any action that's as cool as <laughs> Anna Karenina. <laughs> It's got all the great war scenes that actually engage you in the battle. Nah, <laughs> that's not action. Okay, best battle scene would be between War and Peace and Dune, but we're not talking about battle. We're talking about, uh, and obviously War and Peace wins. Brandon, you can uh, wipe that smirk off your face. Uh, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> that's like the battlefield of the human heart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the two best fight scenes, Let me let me narrow it down that we've read are the fight between, I think Paul, it's, it's not the final fight in Dune. It's the fight between him and the random, what do you call those desert people? When he, when he has to fight a Fremen to prove himself Fremen. in Dune. Yeah. yeah. That's a really, that's great. That's, that's a, 
baller fight scene. That thing slaps. But I think better than that. When he fights Sting as well. Yes, but I think the Sting fight's not as good as the Fremen fight. No, I agree um, with you. I mean, they're both great. Like, Dune, the action scenes in Dune are really great. I mean, the book still had my attention at the Fremen fight. Yeah, that might be part of it. How about a fight between Sheila? Okay, there you Ooh, go. Now, that's, that's, a, good that's a contender. That's Who a good would win one. in a fight between Paul Maudib and uh, Bigwig? Is that yeah. what you were going to ask? Bigwig. Bigwig. He'd get the high ground or something. No, actually, he'd I trick just... Paul into coming into his For his some tunnel. reason, I, we mentioned War- we it's mentioned Tolstoy. Bigwig. Austin, I was thinking of fist fight between Darcy... Darcy and Levin. Darcy, I mean, with apologies to Levin, I think Darcy would beat the crap out of him. Yeah, probably. I love Levin. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Levin, you know what would happen? Levin would get mad and then cold cock Darcy and Darcy would never have a chance. Like, Levin wouldn't fight fair. A little more rage in Levin. Do we just need to do an episode that is the The battle royale? That would be really fun, like a one-off episode. See who we, who we think would finally win. We just go through all the novels and take their protagonists. We'll do that, Big, but we're good. I think Bigwig would have a good chance of making it to the top. Nobody's going to just step on him. I mean, wouldn't Darcy <laughs> just step on Bigwig? He'd just pull out his pistol and shoot him. That's true. Yeah. What and about the the rabbits of Watership Down versus Shelob? I think Shelob's got it. Yeah. I, I don't know. With a little ingenuity, maybe they could get that dog to bite Shelob. Samwise Gamgee is the only creature to ever injure yeah. Shelob in her thousands of years of life. Well, and we know Samwise can <laughs> hold his own against rabbits, come to think of it. Yeah. yeah so a specific was, plot point. So <laughs> Samwise might have a good chance of making it to the top. You, I think he could take Darcy. He just oh, yeah, just stab him. him. <laughs> yeah. Just hand- <laughs> stab him in the eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Darcy would retreat into his mansion. <laughs> Never be heard from again. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bigwig. But I still think Bigwig v... Woundwart, Dawn of Justice might be the best action scene we've read. It's good. It's, pr- it's pretty great. It's really brutal, and you can follow the strategy. Yep. And you really want Bigwig to win, but you also, like, in terms of emotional investment, well, okay, Sam and Shelob. You're prepared for Bigwig to die. Right. Yeah. You think that that's maybe what's fun about it is it, it gives you. It, it, it's just the full meal. It gives you, like, Bigwig's sacrifice, but then Bigwig also manages to not die and in order to win bigwig has to look death full in the face right. and accept it and that's a, a key emotional point of the fight that's just woven into it right and that's how he wins but he had to fight as a dead man well and i love how bigwig starts as a colorful supporting character that hazel has to deal with and then suddenly the narrative is just put on his shoulders both with the final fight and with that extended spy section spy thriller section where he's infiltrating whatever wound warts warren is called i should remember that but yeah that's awesome yeah it's great he almost dies earlier in the snare at the lily lily eaters or whatever lotus that's the word i wanted lotus yeah the the lily eaters (laughs) (laughs) hey they're rabbits probably do eat lilies i don't know probably uh let's see i mean i don't know guys Watership Down is one of those books that's actually kind of hard to talk about because all you really want to say is it's great. Like, there's, it's not great in a way that lends itself to, like, it's not interestingly bad. It may also be that it's not interestingly good, <laughs> though. It, it might just be awesome. And therefore, what do you say? But it's awesome. What else is there to say about it? 
I think we've touched on most of what I would want to say. Oh, you want it's to got say a lot of it, heart. It's got a lot of virtue. It, I mean, it, does, it doesn't, can't think of anything bad that it glorifies. No, it really just does glorify the Sam Wise type quality, you know, just loyalty, hard work, play well with others, do your job, don't get too big for your britches. Mm-hmm. Here's a here's a reviewer that says it was pleasant enough, but it has about the same intellectual firepower as Dumbo. Who said that? Somebody, that were they describing themselves? Somebody yeah, writing exactly. for the na- National Review. Like back in the day? Yeah. Watership Back in the seventies, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watership Down is an adventure story, no more than that. Rather a swashbuckling, crude one to boot. There are virtuous rabbits and bad rabbits. If that's allegory, Bonanza is an allegory. Who said it was an allegory? Yeah, that guy's a dummy. I'm going to define this according to how what I think it should be, and then I'm going to say it's not that, or it does a bad job of that. I'm never going to consider what the author is actually doing, and judge it on those merits. You have to understand what a thing is trying to be before you judge it. Uh, Brandon, you were going to make the argument that this thing's a sexist piece of garbage. Yeah, do we really want to? I mean, because it's... the does are just baby machines. There's apparently a New York Times book review essay where this woman named Selma G. Lanes argues that they're male chauvinist rabbits. And the females are only instruments of reproduction to save the male rabbits triumph from becoming a hollow victory. Male chauvinist rabbits. Also known as rabbits. Yeah. When actually, apparently, rabbits are actually matriarchal. It draws upon a feminist social tradition, an anti-feminist social tradition, which, removed from the human context and imposed upon rabbits, is eerie in its clarity. I get a kick out of any... I suppose there may be actual matriarchal societies out there, but um, I was watching this lion documentary this one time, and they were talking about how Lions are matriarchal because the lionesses hunt. And then they describe how... (laughs) (laughs) Jake just got himself canceled. Uh, No, Jake Jake totally got himself canceled. I'm sending Jake a text. What does the lion do? We'll tell the listeners. (laughs) That's funny. So... Uh, yeah, I think Jake just tested his his computer is at was at one percent, folks, and he got yanked off of the feed here. But I bet I bet he's gonna. Ooh. All right, Jake just sent us a text with the lion thought, so I'm gonna finish it. Uh, this documentary describes how the male goes out before the lionesses hunt and defines the territory they're hunting in and patrols its borders for other lions to keep it safe for them to leave the cubs and hunt. So the whole time the lionesses are hunting, the lion is keeping them and the cubs safe so she can make dinner. Very matriarchal. <laughs> yep. We have told the listeners, I am telling Jake, so he can rest easy. Let's see. Anything else to say about this one, Brandon? No. Except that I agree with Sam. Rabbit stew is really good. Rabbit stew is... Actually, is it? Is it really? I don't I think... I've, I've eaten rabbit and I've found it to be... Like a drier, more boring chicken. Huh. I mean, that's what everybody uh, always says about all meat, but. That it's a drier, more boring chicken? I mean, everybody always says it tastes like chicken, but I don't know. I have not actually enjoyed my the tastes of rabbit. I enjoyed the, the tastes of literary rabbitry that I got by reading Watership Down. Hmm. 
taste of literary rabbitry. <laughs> Jake is gone. I guess we can say what we really think about this garbage book. Felt like I was going down a rabbit trail. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. <sighs> Felt like some rabbit droppings. Yeah. Oh, Jake is actually sending us more lion facts here, folks. Oh, uh, this is lion facts with Jake. The yep, most popular lion- segment of the show. <laughs> Yeah, Brendan's got his context. <laughs> Safari Jake. <laughs> Safari Jake. <laughs> we should do a t-shirt where Jake's in one of those white pith helmet things yeah. and <laughs> standing in front of the jungle. They mark it with their scent. They roar. They watch for hyenas and predators on the cubs and chase them off. They chase other lions out of their territory. And then the lion comes home and enjoys his meal and basically has sex with whichever of his harem he wants so you know yeah <sighs> they didn't show that in the lion king <laughs> no <laughs> you never watched the lion king after dark the famous no. unrated edition <laughs> of the lion king no uh, it's intense <laughs> but i don't know you know watership down's great Listener, do you have deep thoughts about Watership Down that you want to share with us? Is there something that you think we should have? I mean, this is a great adventure story. It's a little bit like what we ran into with The Hobbit. It's great. Like, what do you say about something that's just kind of a self-evidently great story? It's not trying to be more than an adventure story, you know? You leave it at that and you let people go and read it and experience it for themselves. Yeah. Unfortunately, no one can be told what Watership Down is. You have to experience it for themselves. You have to go to the Watership Down and become El Frothalafa, or whatever his name is. Well, how many El Frothalafas out of seven do you give to Watership Down, Brandon? Seven. Me too. This is a perfect adventure novel. A lot of fun. Great book. Jake just texted us. He is giving it one. He hates this book. He He says we never read it. It's wow. on the bottom of the pile as, as far as uh, he, he would put it with green embers and Mein Kampf as far as bad white supremacist literature that he hates. So that's too bad. Surprise. All right, Brandon. Well, patrons can go to patreon.com forward slash the booking and they, sure can. Get, they can get all kinds of awesome things there. They can help support this podcast. If they get us to 2K, Brandon will get a little something something monetarily speaking which will be good for him and good for the show and we will read two things actually we will read uh what's that piece of filth called uh, brandon's wincing yeah. as he tries to think of this i want to say ender's game but that's not right it's yeah that's what i want to say too it's it's not that at all ready player bounders two. grove ready player two yeah we were so <laughs> we were... far off yep we'll read that and have fun with it and we will also do a deep dive into Anna Karenina, which should be awfully fun and stuff, stuff like that. Brandon, what do you want to do as I read these patrons? I just names? want to listen to you. Okay. That sounds good to me. Robert and Ron to the Lovebirds. Hey. I'll just say hey. hey. Yeah, you can say hey. The Artful Anthony Dodger. What's up? Little Anthony Cigar Store. Howdy. The Immortal Chelsea E. Hello. Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. Uh, bon, bonjour. Bon, bonjour. Bonjour. Bonsoir. Is that how you said that? I always thought you said, said it bonjour, but 
Bonjour. Bonjour. I'm I don't know. Check. Uh, the but to say hello. Hi, right, keep going. Lily of the Valley. Good morning. Internet for the lovebirds. Good afternoon. <laughs> the Keith Master. Good evening. David's Mighty Men Trucking. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. <laughs> John Jill, the little baby Max. It's a pleasure to meet you. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese and also C.S. Lewis, including Till We Have Faces. How are you today? Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. This is just... How are things? Console Prime, Adam. What's new? Nathan, not me. It's good to see you. Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Good day. DJ Sammy G. Howdy. Benny and Danny Tabiris. Hey there. Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. What's up? Professor and Lady X. Sup. Lavender's green, Dylan, Dylan. Lavender's blue. Lavender's green, Dylan, Dylan. Dylan, Dylan. I love love you too. Yo, what's happening? Noah Constrictor. Yo. Meritip. I just ran out. Oh, well, here's a big list of 50 ways to say. Oh, these are in different uh, languages. Nice. Dobre Rano. (laughs) The fair and fragrant maiden Chloe. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony is called Hate Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Cheese. Uitaj. Jujitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Assalamu alaikum. Rachel. Rachel. Hej. Rachel. Hej. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Salam. Return of the Jedediah. Calamara. Calamara, dude. I like calamari. Calamari is delicious. Jay of Rack and Ruin. Word. <laughs> Timothy That's... the Rider at Dawn. It was slang, apparently. Word. Bionjourno. Eric and Kate, the Camp Champ Kings, who are warm and love bees. Leho. Matty, 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 Matt, 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 Boas. Sweet Jamie Sunshine. Shalom. Tyler, the Keeper of Eternal Darkness, and Laura, the Keeper of Eternal Light. Servus. Cold Steel Cody. Ja. Jacqueline of the Librarian Barbarian. Elohe. Oh, that's Pig Latin. John, oh yeah, that is pig Latin. John Bobadilla, Bomb Diggity, and Captain Neil, his mate. Aloha. Saxophone Alex. Konnichiwa. The other saxophone Alex and dubstep Danny. Zdrasti. Ryan the Terror of Texas and Eric of the Cream and Crimson, who lo- no longer are stuck in the cold. Please send cheese. What's shaking? <laughs> <laughs> what language is that? Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. Selamat Datang. Datang. John and the Cosmic King of Chaos. Namaste. Matthew the Mind Flayer. Sawabuna. And are you okay? Get your gun. Choni. Choni. Flight of the Valerie. Hola. Thor Ragnajaj. Privet. Steven. Da da da. Nihau. Pigladon. How. Christopher the Flower Hulk. Shin Chow. Lady of the Crystal Lake. Anwang. Ian the Death Amerian Lord of Death. Osio. A man in possession of an Emily is in want of nothing. Svekas. Emily Nightshade, the haunter of dreams. Barev. All about the Benjamin, baby. Yatase. All right. We'll be back next week with either How's Moving Castle or Duncow. I don't remember which one comes next. <laughs> I think it's Duncow, but I'm not sure. We'll find out next sure week. Will. We'd better find out. Mm, yeah we will we'll find out one way or another all right goodbye brandon goodbye listener goodbye